You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum. I am an intuitive oracle card reader and energy healer. Today, I am continuing our journey through the Celestine Prophecy, and we are now already at the eighth insight, which is the interpersonal ethic. This one's very long um, in terms of like my notes and what I got from it, because it is actually very insightful in terms of how we relate to each other in different ways and how our relationships with others actually affects our own personal journey to finding our own spiritual truth and keeping ourselves on our path. Um, and for me, this is just really interesting because I have been thinking a lot, not so much studying and looking up information, but thinking a lot about Christ consciousness, um, unity consciousness, and how that is, I feel, going to be really important for my own path. So because any of those things, anything when you're thinking of the whole or the collective and everyone being connected, you really do have to think about how every interaction you have um, impacts the whole because it's all energy, right? As we learned in one of the previous insights. So I just wanted to break this into sections. So hopefully these sections make sense for getting through this enormous amount of information. Um, but in the book, something I wanted to start with is how they talk about relating to children. Because we just kind of in the sixth insight talked about how our control dramas start from childhood. So it just makes sense that we would continue from that standpoint, thinking of any influences we have as a child, but also thinking about how now as adults with this information and knowing how this programming occurs, um, it only makes sense for us to actually hone in on how we can then empower the next generation of children by speaking to them in a different way with a different level of awareness to how our interactions with them, because they are people, they are souls that are here on their own journey, how that affects the collective and how we can be actively encouraging a more insightful and aware and empowered generation. So what they talk about as being one of the main principles for um, relating to children is that within a family or a couple, when they're deciding to have children, um, they talk about making sure that you only have the amount of children that you can give one-to-one -one attention to. So this is like one child per adult. And I think that this is really interesting because, you know, telling people how many children to have really sounds a little bit controlling. It sounds like not necessarily um, an enlightened view, but the reasoning behind this 
is that when children are not given one-to-one attention, they are not having access to energy and answers to questions and um, the feeling of being important. And because this also contributes to when they when they are not receiving this attention this contributes to the tendency towards these control dramas because then when they feel they want attention they're going to have to do something to get your attention and so when we are not giving children attention it usually means that we ourselves are falling into our own control dramas but something they say so this is like like, I feel like they're not saying, like, there needs to be someone with a child 24-7. Like, they need their own time to explore and whatnot. But it's just have, being available for them. Like, having someone who's there who's not going to be too distracted to answer their questions or to come and explore something with them. Um, and so what they talk about, though, is that it doesn't have to be just the parents. Because obviously, in this world we live in at least one, but usually both of the parents need to work. And so they do say that the family extends past the immediate family. So this could be extended family members, neighbors, friends, just making sure that before you have these children, that you have that structure in place so that they are always going to have someone available to give them direct attention. The second thing that I think is really important that they mention here is that when speaking about children and to them, that you need to speak directly to them. So instead of asking parents, well, when obviously when they're toddlers or whatever, like small babies, they can't answer. But if you're wondering how they're doing in school and the kid is right there, instead of asking the parents how they're doing in school, ask the children. And that gives them more empowerment uh, over their own lives and their own choices that they're making because you know the parents can be very proud of the child and tell the child that directly um, and that will empower the child to feel confident talking about themselves but also it gives the children the sense that it's their own accomplishments you know that it's not like the parents are getting all of the credit for the work that they're doing because I think that's something that we do actually ingrain in children pretty early when I was thinking about this. Not so much for myself because I feel like I actually did interact with adults a lot when I was a child, but I do see that a lot where people, the child is right there and they're like seven or eight. They're more than capable of talking about their, you know, their school experiences but they're not asked directly. It's, it's like as if they're not there. And so I think that's just what they're speaking to in the book. And something else that's interesting is they talk about, there's a situation in the book where they, they're talking to someone who has a child and they talk about like joking with kids and like making stuff up. And they say that like when a child asks a, an, a legitimate question, like how something works or why something happens, you do need to spend time, even if it means you have to walk away and come back, um, finding a correct answer for them because it's something that's coming up in the moment for a reason for them to develop. 
And so if they have a question, it's something that's important to them. So it needs to be taken seriously and answered them properly. You can't just make up something silly. But they said there's a difference between that and like um, the tooth fairy or Santa Claus, because that's something that like is not an everyday thing that's go that's might only come up once. That's like a tradition. So they'll figure it out themselves. And children do need to learn how to use their own reasoning skills. And then like if they do come and ask you outright, then, you know, that's a judgment call where you may choose at that time to then be direct with them and explain that it's a tradition because that's something that stays the same, right? Like you tell the same story every time they lose a tooth or every Christmas. So that's something where once they figure it out, they can, they can understand that that's a tradition because all children maybe that they interact with maybe are told the same thing. Whereas if you, if they ask, you know, why a certain animal behaves a certain way and you make up a story that's like a very different situation because that's something that's helping their understanding of the world that they encounter on like a daily basis and it's something that they had a curiosity about and now if they learn that that's different than that you know that that's not true that was a one-time thing where they asked you a question and then they're going to start having trouble trusting when someone tells them information or their own instincts even. Um, whereas like if it's a tradition, then they can understand that and they can understand, oh, that was a tradition that was told to me, you know, different ways. Whereas if they ask you why an animal does something and then you lie and make up a story, then they go and ask another adult and they actually take the time to explain it to them. That's getting two different answers for the same question. So that was just something else that I found really interesting because they, they actually touched on both sides of that because it's like the real world versus like a fantasy tradition. So that was really interesting. And then the worst thing that can happen is when you are draining their energy when you connect with them. Um, because, you know, as adults who have a lot of conditioning, we don't really like discriminate against like like who we're taking energy from if we have these control dramas they're going to play out whether it's with a child or in another adult it doesn't matter to us what the interaction is so it's also important to make sure that we're always giving energy to children to make sure that they are feeling confident in interacting with other people because if you're always draining them then they're going to develop some very strong control dramas and then connecting with other people outside of the family and outside of their regular interactions are going to be very difficult when they're older and they actually talk about correcting them like when you're correcting them with something that's where it's actually like the worst way to drain energy from them because they're learning. They're like new little souls on this planet being like, what is happening? So when they make a mistake, if you yell at them being an intimidator, if you keep asking them a million questions until you find fault with them and you're, you know, in interrogating them, that's draining their energy. You know, if you ignore them or give them the silent treatment because they've done something bad, that's draining their energy and making them have to come up with a way to get your attention, right? And like, if you make them feel bad, feel guilty for how it impacts you and you say, well, now I have to clean up this mess because you did this and you put yourself in the, you know, in the poor me, then they're going to have to act out 
to counteract that. So it's taking the time again to explain to them why what they did was maybe not the best and explain to them that we all learn this at some point and this is their time to learn that. That's kind of what I came up with as like something like, how do you do that? Like I, I see a lot of parents obviously struggling when their children are doing things that impact them negatively, but also at the same time, their children learning how to be humans which is like we don't have it figured out like we're adults i don't know how to be a human yet like i haven't figured that out so how are we expecting like a three-year-old to just come here as like this beautiful little soul still connected to like source and then trying to be like an active human and so there's this like delicate balance because we are expected to in this book like the interpersonal ethic in regards to children we are supposed to talk to them directly and make sure that we have energy for them. And part of that is holding space is kind of what I'm thinking for like the learning, right? And and really embracing that curiosity and that like childlike wonder because that's a gift for us as well because it gives us a new perspective. It's a new human experiencing something that has become probably mundane to us and maybe a little bit irritating to have to explain. But at the same time, it's part of being human. We all learned it at some point and it's just their turn, right? So that's something that I found really interesting as well because I know I see a lot of people just like instantly just yelling at a kid like that's wrong, you don't do that. But it's like, when did you have the conversation with them to explain why and what they could have done differently or ask them just, you know, why the, they felt that way in that moment um, as opposed to just yelling at them. <laughs> Like they're not dogs, you know, like I know there's moments where obviously I'm not a parent. Like I know there's moments when you see a child not listening multiple times and, you know, you need to get their attention. Obviously, this is not like an all encompassing rule, but on a general basis, if they do something like make a mess or, you know, do something that's harmful, just explaining it to them at least the first time to make sure that they understand what the action was that led to you know your reaction if you do happen to react a different way because if they don't understand what is wrong about it they're gonna keep doing it and I think that that's really important to understand is like they may eventually see the correlation between the action and what you're expressing but understanding it the first time from like why it is not a correct action I guess you could say um, actually just helps them move forward in the world. Um, so that was interesting when I read that part. And then children should learn about the world from adults, not other children. And this is like um, kind of what I was, I, like it leads into like back into the idea that like there has to be an adult available to answer questions so like yes they need to have time with children but then like when they come and ask you a question about the world you need to answer them because like if adults aren't answering their questions in a satisfactory way where they understand it they're gonna all talk amongst themselves like i'm sure you remember being a kid and trying to figure stuff out with your friends and coming up with like whatever limited knowledge you had and figuring things out like with like child logic right and then 
it also depends on like you have to if you're going to say okay we'll let the kids figure it out i'm sure one of them knows but like how do you know if like all the parents aren't doing the same thing right <laughs> like if all the parents or if the parents are just making stuff up in the moment you don't know how the other parents are parenting right so like again i'm not a parent but from the book this is what they're saying is that like there should be a child around i mean an adult around the, for the child to get this information from because they lead this into also being a cause of like the lack mentality because if they believe there's not enough energy for them at home or like just in general in the world if they have this sense that like there's not enough energy in one place they have to go get it somewhere else that actually transitions into like their belief around like source energy so like the reasons why a lot of us believe there's not enough of whether that being like money ideas um, space for people to have like similar ideas that kind of thing that's where that kind of starts is like as a child if if, it, if they're believing like that there's not enough time or energy for them then that translates into other things later on in life that they're looking for um, that they know are necessary for life right and that's where lack mentality can start which was super interesting so that's kind of like the consensus I guess in the book about children and how to interact with them and then the next part is I kind of touched on it before because it related to um, some things I was talking about but the second thing that they talk about is being addicted to a person and so they talk about how there's this like euphoria when you meet someone at the beginning and like you're really pulling energy from that person like you just want all of their energy um and you don't really realize until you've been doing it for a while with each other where you're each depending on each other for energy that eventually it's not going to seem like enough because like no human is like an endless source of energy right like we have to be getting it from somewhere else and so what happens is once we like, I guess, subconsciously in this case, um, realize that it's not enough, then we fall back into control dramas because we still are only depending on that person for energy. So now we're going to have, we're going to go back to the struggle for power, right? Where we're going to start falling back into our dramas and forcing the energy to ourselves. And so that just goes right back into what we talked about before where you know we're only fighting for energy from each other whereas if we are because what they talk about is that it's like when once you choose to plug yourself into a person instead of source you have to like you you can only to get your energy from one source really like so you have to either choose are you going to be consistent and be your own you know, self-contained person that's just connected to source and then just be interacting with other people? Or are you going to unplug from source and choose to just take energy from other people? Um, and then what they talk about is some of the reasons why we have this in romantic relationships can be if we are, let's say like we have primarily masculine or feminine energy. And again, this can be a male or female they say in the book that it's typically we're looking for the opposite. Um, so that's why often it goes back to like psychological things too, with like the opposite sex parent, you need that person to be available for you to experience the opposite energy. And so 
you need to learn before you enter into a late relationship, you have to learn how to get this opposite energy from source before you can be in a relationship because otherwise it's like premature and you're going to become dependent on that person for that opposite energy. Whereas source is both it's masculine and feminine it's whole. Right. And so they talk about like going back to children just for one point that they, because we tend to depend on the opposite um, parent for that kind of energy to learn it, we have, it has to be unconditional. And that's where like the open and like availability becomes important because that parent needs to be open. They need to be able to communicate with the child, but they also have to be transparent that they are like a human trying to be a human, right? Like they can't make themselves seem like magical or mysterious. So the less we know about that parent, the more we can put power in you know, their elusiveness or like that they must be so powerful, you know, if it's so difficult to reach them um, versus if they're like, look, I'm a person, I'm sorry I behaved this way, you know, like I have this attention and you can answer their questions about themselves. They can tell you about themselves, that they're doing this work or whatever, that this is what they do during the day. Um, and then what the less magical they are, the more it's, easy to transition into getting energy from source because you're not like completely consumed with trying to get energy from that other parent. Right. So the idea is, which I'm sure we've all heard it's in some capacity that we tend to think that these, that two people are halves that make up a whole together, but that's codependence. Um, that it's actually like what we need to do is stabilize our, our, our channel with the universe. And that way we're each whole separately. We have access to both types of energy. It's platonic. And then we can then connect with another person and then become like a super person <laughs> that is like not pulling from their, our path. So we're both still on our path. In that case, we're both, you know, just complimenting one another. We're both giving energy to one another freely because we have an unlimited source. We're not dependent on one another. And then um, it just is a more balanced relationship. And they talk about how what you can do is if you're kind of in that in-between stage where like you're not a child anymore, you're not going to be still maybe attempting to get the relationship with your parent, right? In order to just not have that tendency towards um, codependency but what you can do is just like with platonic friends who are of the opposite energy that you require and learning how to be very transparent with that person um, learn how to just talk about like your humanness and what you're experiencing taking the mis mystery out of those people um and then that kind of like curbs your tendency to have that like love at first sight, like obsession, because you realize that it's not the other person that's magical. It's like source that's magical. So yes, we are all magical beings because we can receive energy from source, but it's not a mystery where their energy is coming from because we already understand that we're both whole. So that was like a huge point to me. I was like, wow, that's really interesting to think about 
you know, that we need to be more transparent and be able to have these like platonic relationships where we're not having other expectations, where we're just being honest and being like, I'm just a person doing my thing. And then learning about the other person as well and sharing about ourselves. So um, that is kind of like what, a bit enough of it, like that point about getting obsessed with the person. Um, because then what I was saying earlier is like what happens is that actually impacts how um, we speed up our own evolution and have our questions answered. And that is also because it's often people, it say it says in the book, always a person who brings you the answer. So you need to be able to interact with people on a balanced level. Because like, what if the person who's bringing you the answer is someone of the opposite energy to you and you immediately just have this like, love at first sight thing happening when really they were just meant to be a messenger right and I think that happens with us sometimes where um what they say is that like you know in the book they talk about how people sometimes your only interaction is just to get this information but it's really important information so you really connect well with that person um and so this can get confusing if your instinct is to automatically just be like attracted to the person and like maybe you won't even get the message right like maybe you will not be able to listen to their story and their information and slow down the interaction enough to get the proper information and to get that platonic just understanding of one another out of the way right and so it talks about how we are supposed to be instead of trying to take energy from people we're supposed to be energizing them, sending them energy because the more energy you send to a person, the more they can really feel connected and sense their own truth that they can share with you, which is what you need from them in those interactions. And so it's like they talk about it being in the book the same as like when you're trying to get energy from like plants in your environment that you're like appreciating their wholeness and their beauty and what makes them unique and then when we project that energy on they project it back to us by offering us the information that they unique information that they have to share um and that goes to like this other point that they say where what will happen is when someone is meant to be the person to give you information what will happen is like it's things that I'm sure we've all experienced in some way where it's like you have this instant recognition of a person, like they look familiar and you're not sure why. Um, and they say here that it's because it's someone, uh, it's a member of like a similar thought group where you're on like a similar evolution path and they do have the message for you. And so they say like what will happen is often if you make eye sudden eye, if you're, you know, you're searching for an answer and this person looks familiar and then you make like sudden eye contact or something that that's someone that you need to talk to. But this is where it becomes important that you go to the person and just have a general transparent conversation and try to just send them energy in order to connect in a more just one-to-one even level like a balanced conversation so that you're not expecting anything of this person you're offering energy to that person you're sending energy to them so that they 
feel empowered to share their truth. And I think like, if you think about it, that would just be a beautiful thing if we all just did that. And like when someone is, you know, offering information to us, if we all just sent them energy and allowed them to just share their truth more clearly. Um, because it says like everywhere, so everywhere you go is where you're meant to be. So everyone who is there has a potential message for you if you're following your intuition, which is super crazy to think about. You know, we're all in, let's say like the right place at the right time all the time. It's just like whether, you know, depending on what your intuition is telling you, which person has the, the most relevant information for you at that time. And then when you appreciate people on a deeper level, you can see their honest self and then it becomes almost like a natural and telepathic communication. And like, I know we've all met people like that where you just really genuinely do want to send them energy. You want to wish them well. You want to hear what they have to say. You appreciate them so much for who they are, right? And like, that is something that the more we practice doing this in in our daily interactions with people who maybe aren't very close to us, the more easy it will be to form these relationships in general. And what they talk about too in this is that like when two or more people are together, you can build each other up because there's no attachment or like intention to like who's going to speak next and like to um, project that in that energy. It's just whoever you feel needs to have that energy at that time. So if we're all consciously sending in like our energy to people, whoever we feel needs to have something to share. That's how we get to what they call in the next thing I'm going to talk about conscious conversation. And so what they're saying is whoever's talking, everyone else is sending energy to them because we really want to hear their full truth fully expressed. We don't want them to feel like we're trying to take back the energy of the group. Um, and so the energy is moved to the person who's meant to contribute next. So like, you know, when you feel a shift where like you're kind of looking at the next person thinking like, oh, that I feel like that person has something to respond to. Um, That's kind of what'll happen is whoever has the most powerful thought is where the energy will go to because that will help to get the most clarity for everyone. So then if everyone starts projecting energy to the next person, Eventually, you will actually feel the energy shift when it's your turn to speak because everyone will naturally be moving from person to person. And so you'll just have like an idea in your head that's very clear and then you'll just notice that the energy is shifting your way. And I think that what happens here is what they talk about is that this is really hard because some people get inflated with the power and it feels good so they keep talking. Like, you know those people who like, just want nothing but to just keep talking and keep sharing information and keep like expanding on ideas. Whereas like you feel like you have things to contribute and like everything they're saying, you're like, Oh, I feel like I could, this would be good for them to know, or I have all this information, but they move through subjects over and over again because they're getting the attention. And then by the time they finish talking, you're really unsure of like what you are meant to share because they've moved past all of the really clear insights you had and now they're kind of muddled together. So it like doesn't feel like a conversation. It feels like they had a monologue and now you're expected to have a monologue to respond, but you're 
there's so much that you're like, I don't even know where to go with this. Um, whereas if they had allowed you, like felt that you had that next thing to contribute, you probably would have contributed something. And then they next would have, they would have sensed that. And then when you were done, they probably would have had the next thought to continue. So it's just something that um, is really interesting to keep in mind because other people won't will have the opposite where they don't want to risk seeing their idea because they're not trusting it. And then that fragments the group where there's like awkward pauses where like everyone's kind of like waiting for you to say something, but then you're like, I don't know, I, I, I lost it or whatever. Like even though you know you had an idea because then what happens is that also prevents the rest of the group from benefiting from that message. So then also when you subconsciously or purposely leave someone out of a conversation or reject them they sense that they're not then they are not receiving that all that energy that is being sent around but then the group also misses their messages because they're there for a reason if they're there at that time like i was saying before what they say is that it's like you're always in the right place at the right time and so instead of focusing on something we dislike about the person because that's what disconnects them from the energy we need to try to find something of beauty in that person to keep them included because we actually need to realize that like we need their energy too we need everyone's energy because we're all part of a whole right so if we're starting to fragment and pick and choose what part of the whole which we're all a part of is important then then we're also doing ourselves a disservice so like the ideal thing is that everyone has their own individual energy field, then we're merging those, having a pool, a big pool of energy, and then each person can sense whose turn it is to speak, including themselves, making sure that that flows. And then that also just allows everyone to like raise their vibration on like an equal level. And then I also just um, mentioned, wanted to mention that they talk about this being in just relationships in general too. So even like within like family relationships or um, romantic relationships, you know, like there needs to be a balance in the sharing where like it can't always be just one person talking about their day the whole to the point where they exhaust the other person because they're not leaving space. Um, and it can't be the other way where someone's like withholding all the information either because then the other person is not benefiting from what they're meant to share. So I know this is a really long one, but I really hope that you all are appreciating the messages as much as I did when I read it and went through it again. So have a great day. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs, or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.